Blog Talk Radio. Truth. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths, secret proceedings. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. out our future and host Phil Armstrong examines what the scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on the Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. Uh, Tom has an excellent show on Blog Talk Radio. So if you get a chance, uh, look up and search in the market picker. Uh, and that's an awesome show, like, awesome information. I was just digging around on his website. Uh, and uh, uh, so I suggest y'all go out there and uh, get some information because um, the times are going to change in the near future, and we want to be ready when that happens. Uh, Carl, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Okay. Thank you for coming on. I'm I, I sort of... Uh, uh, and a big mess since I'm coming back for the first time in a couple of weeks because I've been having other people do my shows. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so bear with me, please. Uh, I was uh, on your uh, website uh, checking it out, and, and, I, and you were talking about loans, um, uh, and and I was also listening to Alex Jones yesterday. He had a 27-hour 20, marathon, and... Uh, one of the guests, I can't remember who it was, was talking about uh, loans, uh, 
properties that individuals couldn't take. The banks could, they were fighting over property uh, of uh, uh, who who who's actually the owner of, the, of those properties. Uh, uh, and they say that there there is a lot of that going on. Um, bank wars between who who who's the rightful owner of the assets. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the the problem here is that during the the go go years of the housing bubble, you know, two thousand three through uh, roughly two thousand seven, banks were making these loans to homeowners. They were paying absolutely no attention to whether or not the homeowner was telling the truth. Um, in regards to how much money they made and things like this. They were then packaging these things up into securities, um, much like bonds, and selling them into the marketplace. The problem comes along when you don't actually do all of the things that have to be done from a legal perspective in order to make sure that if the person doesn't pay, you can go ahead and foreclose and take the house back. And so during those go-go years, Nobody really cared about that because house prices only went up. They never went down. People never lost their jobs. And if they did, the house was worth more than the mortgage. So you could just sell it, and there was nobody that ever got hurt. Um, now, of course, we have very high unemployment and a deteriorating jobs market that is, despite what you're hearing in the mainstream media, is still deteriorating. And as a result, all of this paper... Um, now all of a sudden becomes very important, and you have people showing up into court claiming that they have standing to foreclose when, in fact, they really don't. And so, and so the mess here is that, uh, you know, you've got people running around on the one hand saying, oh, my God, all these people are going to get free houses, which is not true. Um, but that's a deflection from the real, the real scandal and the scam, which is that the people who bought these investments – and that's you, okay? That's the average American. That's your pension fund. It's your annuity. It is the, the instruments that all of America owns collectively to provide for them in retirement. These yeah. instruments that were sold off are defective and in many cases are worth nothing. And so you now have these banks scrambling to try to basically cure that which can't be cured. They sold people a pile of used dog food and claimed it was chocolate. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, so so the um, the, the real estate uh, bubble um, does that depend on any other? Uh, well, okay, I'll just say this: When is it going to? You think it's going to crash? If it does. Oh, I think I'm losing you here. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the real estate bubble, when do you think it's going to um, finally meet its uh, maker? Well, I think we've got problems right here and now. This is, uh, this is something I've been hollering about for over three years. I, when I first started writing the ticker, I said that the, the essence of this, this bubble was, was fundamentally a scam, okay, that this was not just irrational speculation, it was not people believing things that, you know, that just turned out not to be true because they were greedy or whatever have you. It was actual fraud, that there were representations that were made to people that were false. They were induced to give people their money on that basis, and, and they were robbed, essentially, okay? Um, now we're getting to the point that, you know, they've tried to hide this for three and a half years with all these crazy things, with TARP, with, the, you know, the bank transfers, with various banks acquiring others with uh, the, the so-called foreclosure mitigation stuff, HAMP, and all this other alphabet soup nonsense that you've all heard about and read about. Yeah. The, the problem is, at the end of the day, you can only play games like this with a balance sheet for a company for a certain amount of time. Eventually, you get to the point where you go to the bank with a deposit slip, and you put the deposit slip in, but there's no money. And the bank is never going to let you do that, and neither is anybody else. And that's when it comes apart. That's what we're seeing now is the beginning of this. I think that they will try to kick the can down the road again. They always do. The government never you know, stands up and says, okay, it's time to take our medicine. We've never seen that. Um, but I think they're going to fail, and they may be on the verge of failure right here and now. So I would not be surprised to see all of the major banks end up taken into receivership 
and resolved um, sometime over the next 12 to 18 months, and this decline is likely to it, – it's, it's starting now, and I think it's going to continue to snowball. I don't think they can hide it anymore. No, they can't. They uh, pumped in money after money after money, and uh, it seems like if you keep pumping air into a balloon or a tire, it's going to pop eventually. Uh, they just happen to have a lot of leeway on that tire. Uh, uh, do you um, see uh, for the international uh, uh, economy what's going on overseas? Well, you've got you know you've got a tale of two stories there because on the one hand we're being told that China is doing great. And the rest of the world is doing great, you know, India and, and all of the, especially over in the, in the Asian continent. Um, on the other hand, when I look at the statistics, um, for example, uh, trucking freight volumes in the United States, what I see is an alarming decline that started back in the, the beginning of the summer and has accelerated. Now, the significance of this is that uh, we ought to be seeing very strong increases in trucking volumes because stores stock up in anticipation of the holidays and they start doing that about now. Um, and all of that product comes from overseas in Asia. If the trucks are not rolling on the ground, then somebody's not telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> the uh, uh, European Union, what does that look like? Well, the biggest, problem Europe, the, the biggest problem Europe has is that, you know, they, they put the euro together as a way to avoid exchange rate differences between countries. But you cannot have a currency union without a political union. You cannot have countries like Greece that go out and spend like crazy on social programs, and yet they are able to essentially, for all intents and purposes, tax producing nations like Germany to support this. That's a subsidization that ultimately will come apart. We saw the first part of it earlier in the year with the Greek debt situation. Again, we've been assured that everything's okay and it's all over. That's a lie. Ireland is in very bad shape right now. Um, and frankly, I think, again, we're on a relatively short leash there. They tried to paper that over with this supposed lending facility, but unless the budget situations in those countries comes under control, and I see no evidence that they're going to be able to do it, all they've done, again, is kick the can down the road and buy more time. I would think that the European situation, um, I anticipated originally that they would come apart first. I now think it may be the other way around. I think we may come apart first and drag them in simply because they bought themselves another six months, and we seem to be out of, you know, we, we seem to be kicking in a can that's full of cement. They got their last kick in after we got ours in, so to speak. So I think they, they may have a little bit more time, but not much. So let me ask you a question, because every Christmas or every 4th of July, I'm always wondering if it's our last one. What I mean by that, it's not not particularly our last Christmas in the United States, I'm saying, as far as the glory years. Uh, uh, so in a nutshell, what's this Christmas looking like? I mean, when I'm walking in the snow to go and get something for my wife at the store. What's it, what's it looking like? Is we going to be okay this Christmas and next Christmas? We're going to be living like a, a, a wheelbarrow society? Or are we going to, do we have another year or what? Because I've heard forecasts like Jerry Salente that the sky is falling now or is eventually going to fall. Uh, are, we, are we good for another? Because I don't know. You said 12, 18 months. I, I think, well... Here's, here's kind of the way I see things at this point. I think you're, this, this foreclosure situation, um, the media has been trying desperately to play this down as just bad paperwork. Right? It's what they've been trying to tell everybody. Um, that's been the, you know, that was the meme that they ran for the better part of three weeks. I was screaming about it that this was not, you know, that was just a total farce. It was a lie, and it was a knowing lie. They were fully aware of where the root cause of this was. Um, then we had some analysts that started to get involved in this and look at it, and, um, and they said, oh, wait a minute, you know, these crazy bloggers, they might actually be right. 
now it's gotten forced into the mainstream media where even you know places like the Wall Street Journal are talking about the you know the quote unquote possibility that there could be real trouble here. I suspect that what ends up happening is that you see nationalization of most of our large banks in this country um, sometime within the next six to nine months, maybe sooner. I've seen estimates from some very well-respected analysts that say it will start within the next three months. I think that's maybe a little aggressive, but um, the problem with that is it's going to seize credit, and we are a society that loves to go out and pull out the Visa or MasterCard and charge it and pay for it never. That's going yeah. to end. And so when we take that extra support out of the economy, what ends up happening is you see unemployment go up into the 15 to 20% range, um, and all the bad debt gets flushed out. If we keep civil order and survive it, it is the way forward, and it is the way for the nation to rebuild. The problem is our government seems to be incapable of forcing the people who caused this problem to eat their, eat their own cooking, and if they continue to do what they've done up until now, including Bernanke, there is a very strong possibility that what we get instead is a currency collapse, and along with that goes civil order and possibly the government itself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's unfortunate. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. Uh, what do you see as a way out uh, as far as an individual investor? What, what should they be doing right now? Well, you know, everybody loves gold at the moment because it's, you know, it's the end of the world bet that the dollar will become worthless. Um, I will simply caution people that, from my experience, nothing that moves in a parabolic fashion and, and has the aspects of a mania ever ends well. And if you place bets on the end of the world, you are usually wrong, and the one time that you're right, you won't be able to collect. So I see those kinds of, of investments as pointless. Um, I would prefer to be looking at things that will give you the ability to be self-sufficient, if the trappings of our current consumption-based society fall apart. Um, those are things that are useful even if the worst does not come to pass. So you will not have lost your money. You'll still have, you know, if you have, for example, um, enough land to be able to grow subsistence-level uh, cropping, vegetables, uh, fruits, and things like this, you'll be able to do that even if the worst doesn't happen. If you have defensible land, you'll be able to, to use it and live on it and, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I look at that as a better approach, um, and, and I would say be self-sufficient and have no debt, and, and the latter is the most important thing of all, because if you're dependent upon credit and credit goes away, you're in a lot of trouble very quickly. Um, those people that yeah. live in major cities are potentially in much more danger, because if we do have a civil order problem, the first thing that will go will be the ability of law enforcement to keep the criminal gangs in check, in those large civilization, you know, those large cities, places like Los Angeles, yeah. New York, Chicago, um, I would be very concerned if I lived in a place like that, but I don't. Yeah. Well, I've seen some information on Alice Jones or somebody who was talking about it. They were saying that even on Blockstar Radio, some of the guys on Blockstar Radio was talking about uh, that the, the, the national law enforcement have came to the conclusion that if total disorder comes, then they're only going to respond to specific uh, uh, calls, such as murder. <laughs> they, but if somebody gets raped or something, they won't. They're not going to respond to it. I guess they're talking about total, total uh, interruption of society as a whole. Uh, what do you see as far as uh, the society itself? I know you you, you mentioned uh, disruptions in the civil. Uh, do you see the grocery shelves coming empty at a point, uh, uh, a specific point in time, like a specific moment in time, like a week, where everything goes to crap in the handbasket? Uh, or do you see this thing still being a gradual falling down? Um, and then the, the, the grocery shelves and the uh, what you call inventories, uh, are starting to dwindle together. What I mean, I, I don't know if you understand the question because I kept going. I actually need to be doing the show for myself right now because I can tell I have a lot of stuff to say. But do you believe that this thing will be a gradual sliding down, or do you think one day we wake up and the markets are collapsing and all hell is going to hell, uh, the whole world is going to hell in the handbasket? 
my 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 past experience with situations like this, including 1987, the 2000 tech collapse, and uh, of course, you know, the 08, 09 debacle, um, is that what tends to happen is that you get little warnings, you get little, you know, little earthquakes and tremors, if yeah. you will. We had them with yeah. Bear Stearns, of course, the last time around. And everybody kind of shakes it off and does the last days of Pompeii thing, okay? They say, oh, you know, that volcano's not going to blow up. It's just blowing off a little steam. Yeah. And and then what ends up happening is that everybody is partying and, uh, you know, partaking of the Bacchanal when it all blows up in their face. So I, I think you're going to see the same thing again. My guess is, is that it will start this time with this securitization paperwork as the prosecutors and others and, and private investigators and the, and the defrauded investors dig further and further into this, I, it's going to be like peeling back an onion. And I think what you're going to find is that there is so much that has been written, so much paper that is out there that is just absolutely bogus, not to mention all the derivatives, that sooner or later somebody's going to step on the wrong, you know, step in the wrong square, so to speak, and the land, a landmine is going to go off and set off a chain reaction. Um, yeah. But I don't know exactly when it will happen. So, you know, my, my advice is be prepared and be nimble because yeah. everything will probably be more or less okay, although you'll get little warning signs like what's going on now, um, right up until the point that it's not. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, the President of the United States, uh, bad job right about now. <laughs> well, you know, I, I said back during the 08 campaign that I didn't understand why anybody wanted to run for president at that particular point in time because yeah. <laughs> it was it was a, it was going to be a terrible time to be president of the United States. My yeah. biggest disappointment was Barack Obama is that he had the opportunity to come in and force these people to eat their cooking and clean house. He, he was already in the middle of an economic catastrophe. Um, he could have blamed it on Bush and gotten away with it, even though it would have made things materially worse for a short while. But by now, we would truly be recovering. Um, he squandered that opportunity and instead decided he was going to, you know, basically do what the banks wanted to do. And so now we're in a situation where we've blown $3.5 trillion that we don't have in borrowed money trying to prop up this edifice. Um, and we're in worse shape than we were two years ago as a result. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't think we get to the 2012 elections before everything comes apart, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if the cracks start to show up sometime here before we actually go to the polls here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I, I do believe that. Um, I... Um, looking at uh, a vulnerability of a president, most of the time uh, these guys come up with some type of uh, uh, disaster that always seems to show up to help him out. Uh, and he's probably going to want one pretty soon, uh, unfortunately. And 9-11 uh, was one of those things. Uh, thank you so much for uh, coming by. Uh, I'm a uh, Next time I have you on the show, I'll do a better job at getting that information out to you. Uh, I can tell I haven't been uh, doing shows for a while because I forgot to tell you it was Pacific or Eastern Standard Time. But uh, we still have six minutes. Um, and closing, uh, tell us about what you're doing at your ministry, uh, not ministry, but at your um, uh, website and, and with the ticker. Well yeah, the market ticker is, is at market-ticker.org, and it is essentially a a chronology and a chronicle of the uh, the market and the observations I have on it. Um, market being the the euphemism for all of the different areas of the capital markets, whether it be uh, whether it be stocks, bonds, um, credit, as as is you know appropriate at the present time. Um, I occasionally comment on things like precious metals and and other areas, you know, oil. Um, and, and commodity speculation, which has become a big problem of late. Uh, so if you're interested in following what's going on from a, with a different slant than what you'll get from, for example, uh, the Wall Street Journal or uh, watching uh, the, the TV, the, you know, as I like to call it the idiot box, uh, it, it's one of many places that I, you know, that I would recommend reading. I'm sure that there will be people that won't agree with everything that, you know, that I have to say, um, I try to do my best research and, uh, and put, you know, and put forward facts as opposed to unfounded speculation and hype. Um, sometimes I am forced to speculate because I don't have all of the facts in front of me at the time, um, but I do my best to identify speculation as, as exactly that when that's what I see. 
Uh, and yeah. so, you know, it's, it's just it's an alternative view into the world of, uh, of Wall Street and Main Street. And hopefully we can get some of these people that did these things um, to, uh, you know, to be held to account because it's Main Street that suffered while Wall Street has turned around and essentially stolen all the money. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> wow. Uh, tell us about your uh, blog talk radio show. How often does it come on? Um, the blog talk show is on Mondays at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, it, it runs for an hour, and the uh, the particular commentary depends on the, what's going on at any particular point in time. Uh, it is market-centered in some form or fashion. You can find it on blogtalkradio.com slash market ticker, all one word. And uh, as, as I said, it is open. We, we take calls um, virtually every week. This next couple of weeks are likely to be very politically oriented. In fact, we have a uh, political guest on this coming Monday uh, that is, a, that is a, a gentleman who's trying to put together an alternative political movement to move the country back towards uh, things that, that actually make sense. Um, so I'm going to be grilling him rather heavily because there are some things that he has to say that I really like, and then there are some things that I think are more than a little off base. <laughs> But uh, once we once we get through the silly season, then we'll probably be back, uh, you know, more towards market coverage. Okay, all right. I like to uh, probably get you back on before the um, elections, actually, so we can uh, get a better view of what's going on. But uh, uh, if he doesn't uh, get anybody, uh, Democrats into his uh, realm of um, his, his state, he's going to be in trouble. Uh, and I really don't care. But well, pray for our leaders, though. Uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and I'll be getting in touch with you. I'm trying to make a, a, a longer uh, list of guests coming on, so it might go all the way to April next year, but you never know what you're doing in April, so it's going to be kind of hard to do that. But God bless you so much, and you have a uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And, um, Anytime at all. Thank, thank you, and God bless. God bless you. Bye bye. That was an awesome interview. Charles well, Dillinger from Market Ticker. And uh, we are going to pray to God that our next guest makes it on because, uh, like I said, I've had some uh, bad habits of getting this show back on. My my part of the show back on. I have a few other hosts. Uh, so uh, I have to get back into the realm of things, but I emailed him the phone number. Hopefully, he'll be calling in um, pretty soon. Also, I want to really quickly talk about um, uh, my guests that are on my show, or my host, excuse me, my host that I'm hosting. Uh, we're not going to really say too much about the, the network anymore. We're just going to do it. We're going to take our little bits and pieces after we have done it, rather than tell you what we're going to do. And come to find out uh, that uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, one of our hosts uh, did a show on the rapture of the church, and uh, she's more inclined to believe that we're going to be a part of that tribulation period. But I, I don't, I don't take that person off the show because of that. Uh, uh, so what I'm gonna have is on the net on this network is I'm gonna have different views. Some hosts are going to be, but long as the, this is this is the main issue. As long as the uh, first issue of Christianity is intact, um, when you start tampering with the, the simple simplicity of the gospel, which is in Galatians chapter one, uh, and the fullness of Christ, which is in Colossians, and um, uh, that everything is in Christ. Uh, it's the common salvation. Uh, every Jesus fulfilled everything on the cross. When you start throwing in extra stuff, that's when I boost Um But the, the, the secondary issues, uh, when is the rapture of the church? Right about now, I'm, I, I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm free. I'll never change. It's like I have a, it's just like I'm, it's, it's sheared into my head. I'll never change my pre-trib. That, is, that will never happen. I can tell you that right now. People probably say never say never. No. I'm pretty sure. I can't. I, I, I would have to completely look cross-sighted uh, at the Bible 
to see that there is any other thing uh, other than pre-trip. And I'm going to bring on my next guest. Uh, we had a wonderful show last time, and I apologize to him because I was so busy doing some, I mean, and I get confused if I email somebody. say, how do you forget to email somebody and tell them thank you for being on the show? Well, he taught me without even saying a word that that's what I need to do is uh, tell people thank you uh, again after they have left the show. Uh, but I would like to get him on a, a lot more uh, maybe once a month, but we never know what we're doing um, tomorrow. But we pray about it and see if we can get this brother on. Um, and uh, his uh, name is Nathan Jones, and he's from Lamb and Lion Ministries. Uh, he is part of that ministry, and he's also a web designer uh, there, so I didn't know that either. Uh, so we had a wonderful time last time. I got on, I'm got i on his website, and I'm trying to look at what we talked about because I don't really remember but uh, I'm going to try to stay away from what we talked about. I'm not the fastest reader in the world, but uh, I'll, I'll try to uh, get that going. Uh, Nathan, is that you? Good to be here, Phil. Hey, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm blessed, blessed. Uh, I'm on your uh, website. I'm trying to make sure we talk about something sort of different uh, sure. this time. Um yeah, our uh, ministry's website is uh, lamblion.com. That's where you're at? Yep. Oh, good. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm actually on the journal. Uh, okay, or on, blog. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is, I want to talk about what you're going to be talking I don't care, actually, I don't really care if it's the same thing that we already talked about. Uh, I want to talk about what you're going to be talking about at your up-and-coming conference that you're going to be having. Sure, sure. Yeah, the uh, Future Hope Conference. Uh, it's been in the planning for almost a year now. Uh, our ministry director, Dr. Reagan, and I both really wanted to pass Bible prophecy on to a younger generation. Uh, our conferences, we have a big one in June every year, and a lot of the Bible pro- prophecy conferences we go to tend to be aimed pretty much towards older people. Uh, retirees that are, are really the uh, the end of their lives are facing them down, so to speak, and they're they're really looking ahead for what heaven is. Whereas younger people, you know, like you and I, we're looking forward to, you know, finishing earth, finishing raising families and and stuff like that. So we're not too heavenly minded. But that has a huge drawback because if you're not heavenly minded and you're not focused on where our destination is, we can't get things in this life into perspective. So what we decided to do is have a uh, conference coming up and totally aimed towards uh, 20, 30-somethings, families. uh, They can bring their kids and stuff like that. It's called the Future Hope Conference, and you can find it at myfuturehope.com. And uh, it'll be Friday night, this coming Friday night, and next Saturday. And Friday night, we're going to bring in uh, Pastor Vic Batista from Calvary Chapel Aventura in Miami, Florida. And he's going to speak about your future and God's plan. And uh, afterwards, we'll have the Andrew Heath Band. They're going to be doing a performance. Then the next day, we're bringing down Steve Howell from Tonganoxy, Kansas. And he's going to give us the foundations of our future in the Bible. Why can we trust the Bible to tell us about our future and about our hope? Afterwards, uh, Don Perkins from According to Prophecy Ministries will be explaining the tribulation because a lot of people haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior. Actually, everyone who has not accepted Jesus as their Savior will be going through the tribulation if they're alive in that time. So he needs to lay the foundations for these folks and says, you know, you've got to get serious about salvation because this is the terrible events that are coming up. Afterwards, I'll be speaking on the rapture that the Christians hope that we do not have to endure the tribulation, that Jesus will take his bride to heaven, uh, the bride being the church, and uh, we will live with Christ forever, just as he promises in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 and, and uh, John 14. So uh, we're really, really blessed to have this conference. Uh, after that, I will, uh, Don Perkins will talk about the Millennial Kingdom, and I will talk about heaven. And I've I got to admit, being the, the guy who organized all this, I saved the best for last, and I saved the best for me, because I am so excited to be able to share with people what our future is in heaven and we just want to give people hope. We want to bring a new generation of hope in Christ. A lot of churches really don't teach Bible prophecy. They don't, they don't teach the rapture. They don't teach about the Lord's return and, and what we're doing. And a lot of Christians scratch their head and, and they get stuck in this life. You know, They think this is it. This is all we're going to be. And uh, we want to give them that hope. And that's what this conference is about. Amen. Amen. That, that's something that's well needed. Um, no. And, and if anybody misses it, 
and I know we're holding it here in the Dallas area, we will have an album available on the website afterwards that people can purchase, and we'll have it ready and shipped by Christmas. And, uh, you know, they can use that if they can't make it. And what's interesting in this day and age, you know, we, we talk to people all over the world. So when you send out an invite for uh, people to come to the conference, you'll, uh, you'll get emails saying, well, thank you for offering it to me, but I'm in Canada or I'm in England or I'm in Australia. I can't make it. It's like, wow, you know, this is a, a new age we can share the gospel with. Yes, indeed. We're going to take a quick break. I'm still trying to say you're not going to have to just follow with you right back. Okay. Is that fine with you? That, sure. Soon. We are in the last days. The Bible lays out our future, and host Phil Armstrong examines what the scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible, and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. Oh, damn, back. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no I problem. Forgot the, I forgot the phone was next to me. My uh, little... <laughs> I'm used to people calling in the shows, just never hearing a ringtone. Yeah, the three-year-old uh, is up there uh, trying to punk his mom, uh, and unfortunately, when dad is not around, he sort of oh. does that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's a he's a wonderful kind though. No matter what you do, he still has the same attitude. So I'm praying praying that he will be delivered. But uh, uh, what's uh what 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 do you see as far as the Middle East going uh, right about now? What's going on in that front? Is it quiet or is it mild or uh, do you hear let, noise? Let me let me read you this and you tell me what you think about the Middle East and you'll probably recognize this. Uh, oh God, do not be silent, be not quiet. Oh God, be not still. See how your enemies are astir, how your foes rear their heads. With cunning they conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. With one mind they plot together, they form an alliance against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagrites, Gabel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, with the people of Ty, even Assyria has joined them to lend strength to the descendants of Lot. And it goes on and on. You recognize that, right, Phil? Yeah. I'm reading Psalm 83. And I think yeah. what we're seeing in the Middle East is Psalm 83. It's amazing. David, uh, actually it was a Psalm of Asaph, but uh, it was written back 3,000 years ago, and I'm sure it pertained to all the nations surrounding Israel then, and they're dealing with them. But today we're seeing the exact same thing. Israel is really, they're one trigger finger from some soldier on the border away from erupting into all-out war in the Middle East area, uh, definitely precipitated by Ahmadinejad and the mullahs behind them in Iran. And uh, Israel's restraint has been absolutely amazing, and definitely a restraining hand of God is involved in that. But yeah, I, oh yeah. I mean, we we I really thought back in the spring after we did a poll on the Christ and Prophecy Journal with people when you think that a war will break out or Israel will have to have another war this year, almost universally everybody said by June, and now we're looking at October, and it's like whoa, the restraint has been amazing. Oh yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, they are handled themselves like ladies and gentlemen over there, and uh, the world still comes up to Israel. Now, Israel is showing restraint in many, many ways, and uh, the world still seems to uh, demonically uh, pursue a very mean, hostile Israeli um, view. And... Uh, but what I'm saying, and I've been wrong before, and I like being wrong as far as the gospel is concerned. Um, but at the same time, I'm in a position right now, I'm like, you know, uh, I won't, I mean, 
people get mad at me when I say this, but yeah, I, I would I would love for the Lord to come back and take His church out and tribulation period, hurry up and get over with. Because see, people only see uh, from their from their yard. They don't they don't look over the fence. You can't you can't you can't assume that your your life is all peach keen here in America, but people are suffering. And it might be down the street where you live at. Somebody's suffering from child abuse or, or you know, neglect just down the street. You have an abortion clinic. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, all this, you know, death and violence and people who just don't give a darn. I mean, there's, key, there's, there's some unimaginary uh, suffering going across the world, and probably sometimes even in our own uh, town. And, and for, for a church member... Say, well, Jesus is going to come back when he gets ready. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. At the same time, show some interest. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, well, you know, it, it seems like our, our materialism, our wealth, our comfort yes. have uh-huh. put us in a false position. A, a position probably, if you look back when the Babylonian Empire was about to be taken over by the Medo Persians and Belshazzar was throwing this big party in the palace and the Medes and the Persians were diverting the Euphrates so they could walk right down through the only entryway into Babylon. And, uh, the, you know, that's a story from Daniel about the handwriting on the wall and uh, that Belshazzar was found wanting. And how different is our society today from Belshazzar? We're partying it up. We're living on debt that cannot possibly mis- maintained. And we know that eventually, it, it, we know, I think everybody knows, it's in the back of our minds and it's definitely going to be shown in this next election coming up, is that people know there's a problem and that we need to, to deal with it. But since we've abandoned God, and uh, you know, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar had no connection with God, and it sounded like Daniel was demoted pretty much out of out of the area at the time, so he had no influence on Belshazzar. And we are very much like Belshazzar and Daniel, in that we're partying it up and we're comfortable, and we don't see the invaders at the doorway. We know they're there. Yeah. We'd rather party and be comfortable because we can't think about it. Yeah, and even our uh, we're even caught up in our own dreams, let alone reality, that, yeah. you know, I can get that fur, that fur coat or that diamond ring or a new big screen TV. We're caught up in our dreams, the American dream. I want to go out and get There's nothing wrong with that. No, but no, when, no. It becomes, when it becomes your God, you know, um, like right now, you know, with me, I'm trying to uh, sit back and, 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 Figure out what God is directing me at, you know, and 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 David and Solomon and all those guys, they had uh, capital, they had finances, they you know money, but at the same time, they understood their God, mm-hmm. and uh, and they knew who their God was. But when you get to a point where you're chasing the ultimate American dream, you have that's a danger zone because you have to remember your God. And you have to walk with your God during the course of trying to get that American dream. And because I don't want the American dream, I'm frying like fried chicken for the rest of eternity. <laughs> uh, uh, that's too I, true. That's too true. Yeah. So uh, what, what's, uh, what's going on with this knucklehead? Oh, I ain't even calling that because he's a head of state. Uh, Vladimir Putin, what is he doing? Uh, if he's trying to get reelected as president, well, there's a lot of debate whether he isn't still president. I know Medvedev is a, a capable leader. He's not as uh, kind of spooky or creepy, I guess you could say, as Putin. But at the same time, Putin has had a, a very strong – of course, you know, with the KGB background, he's well-connected. And uh, Russia has, has definitely been playing its role. Um, you know, when push came to shove and the sanctions finally pushed, they knew – you, you got to think about it. Iran – I mean, it's – Excuse me. Russia does not really want Iran to have, have a nuclear missile, but they're willing to sell them a lot of stuff. And so recently they pulled back on giving them these missiles that would protect, like the Bashir reactor and, and uh, various other of their defenses from an attack. And so uh, Russia has been playing its cards close together, but Russia has bigger ambitions. And you only have to read Ezekiel 38 and 39 to see that Russia, through Iran, wants to control the Middle East. They, they can't go west because you've got NATO and the EU there. They can't go east because of China, and the only place that they can grow is south. And we're already seeing it, you know, when they moved into Georgia and south of Seta, and they want to have control of the oil and gas industry, which, you know, it's a no-brainer. He who controls the resources 
has the power. I mean, just play yeah. the online command and conquer game, you know. You know if you've got the resources, you're doing well. So, so Russia has yeah. further ambitions. Now, the problem with the Middle East is that Israel's there. It's a democracy. It's the what stands alone, and you get rid of Israel, and I believe that Russia and Iran feels that they can control the Middle East. Now, we see that alliance in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that prophesies that Russia and Iran and Turkey and uh, Libya and the Sudan and uh, a number of other countries like the Stans will gather together and form a coalition to try to destroy Israel that sits uh, well protected and that also uh, has a lot of uh, material well and they feel that they're somewhat at peace. And so we know that the outcome of this alliance that we're seeing in the Middle East will end. Uh, God uh, supernaturally comes back on the scene. You know, God is behind the church right now and he's de dealing with uh, people spiritually. But in the Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle, that Israel feels, I mean, how are we going to take on all these nations? God steps in. He destroys them with what you'd say like Old Testament wrath. You know, you've got the fire and the hail and the storms. Uh, the nations turn on each other. Obviously, Russia and Iran and Turkey, they all turn on each other in their armies. And their armies get wiped out so badly that it takes Israel seven months to bury the dead. And that's what's going to happen. So we can look at the Middle and that's the wonderful thing about Bible prophecy. It's got, it's got terrible, scary moments, no doubt. But in the end, we know that we can look at what's going on over there and say, the Lord's got it under control, and we know it's going to turn out all well for the glory of God. Yes, indeed. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, the, uh, the, the more time goes outward, I know individuals probably say, well, we got it wrong. We got, we got Bible prophecy wrong, but the more time goes outward towards, you know, the future, the more easier it is uh, to, to sort of just sit back and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. Because, but there is no time period out there that we're sitting to look at. Because I see a lot of people out there trying to guess, you know, when is, when is Jesus coming back? And, uh, uh, everybody, and it seems like a lot of people, it's, it's safer just to say you don't know oh. rather than uh, to, to say you actually know. Now, I do know, we do know this, we do know this war is going to break out, and we do believe that uh, a lot of census, consensus is that Israel will fight its immediate neighbors first. I can tell you this right now, I, I believe that there is going to be a, a, a time in the near future between now and, and, and April, at least, maybe a little bit longer, where Israel will get into it with its neighbors now. Uh, and it, it's a powder keg over there. It looks like to me, at least, there's a powder keg uh, ready to go. But my question is to you, um, uh, Hezbollah uh, seems to be trying to get its grips on uh, Lebanon. Do you think that will play a big role in uh, Israel uh, maybe retaliating first, or do you believe that these these factions, the Hamas and Hezbollah, are going to strike first? I mean, what, what does it look like? Do uh, you think Israel will continue to have its, uh, uh, you know, God suppress them so they won't do anything, or do you think... Uh, the neighbors are going to do it first. I'll probably know your answer anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's clearly that the, what, if you can call them radical, they're all radical, but the more radical elements have already taken over their prospective governments. Hamas clearly controls the Gaza Strip, and brutally, too. They're, they're not the peaceful doves that are so oppressed. I mean, these people are monsters that hide behind babies to shoot. And uh, the government uh, is just, they control uh, Gaza, uh, they've got huge inroads in the West Bank. Uh, Muhammad Abbas uh, is, is really a useless leader. He, he has no real control. The idea that he has anything to say in the peace talks, he's a, he's a strong man, and, and Israel knows it and the world knows it. He just can't control these factions. And then you've got Hezbollah up in Lebanon, and uh, they are well integrated into the government. They have veto power. And when Ahmadinejad came down this week for his victory tour, basically, through through Lebanon, he was encouraging the Hezbollah forces. So the government in Israel uh, just, I think, yesterday admitted it's a sad thing. They, they've already acknowledged pretty much that Lebanon is Hezbollah-controlled through the influence and money and weaponry that comes through through Iran. And uh, I heard Bill Salas say this, is that he feels that 
Iran is trying to create their own Iranian Shiite crescent that goes all the way from Iran and yeah. down through Syria and to Lebanon and Gaza and uh, control. And, and, and we're part to blame for that. I mean, the one check against Iran was always Iraq. It was always Saddam Hussein. And we removed that check, and right now the government is so weak there that naturally and, and it's a sad thing you get rid of one nut then another nut comes up and Ahmadinejad is now is now the nut in the Middle East that you have and then probably more dangerous than Saddam who was pretty much content to stay within his borders most of the time so uh, as these factions have taken over Israel knows that there is no peace I mean these people are dedicated to the absolute eradication of Israel when you've got a, a president like Ahmadinejad who would come down to the border of Israel and threaten to throw rocks over the border of the other country I mean, that's not a sane leader. This guy violently hates Israel with all his passion, and not sitting around the table and discussing it and hoping that he's a good guy and he'll see reason, it won't happen. This guy's mindset is just as devoted to his cause as you and I are devoted to Jesus Christ. And so they, would exi they have to, because for Islam, the belief is that once they've conquered a place, they've conquered it for Allah, and they cannot lose it. And it is a complete embarrassment to them that Israel exists because it retook land that, that they had taken, uh, you know, since uh, back with Muhammad in around 600 A.D. So they have to take it back to save face for Islam, and they have to take it back because, you know, it goes all the way back to, to Jacob and Esau and Israel and all that. You know, it's a family battle. I mean, all these people are descended from one father, Abraham. So it's not something you can sit down and say, you know, let's take the last 4,000 years and make peace with each other. You know, you just can't do that. So Israel knows this. I mean, there's no doubt. Netanyahu's made made many statements. Netanyahu's not a fool. You know, he he knows military and and uh, he's. But you know, unfortunately, the makeup of the Israeli government, the Knesset, is you know, like in the United States, we have two parties and, and some minor parties. They have 20 some parties and they all own little bits of the government. And if you don't create coalitions, then it doesn't work. You have to have a coalition to make any decision, and as soon as the government has no confidence, it falls apart, and they have to make a new government. It's an extremely weak government. So Netanyahu has to watch his P's and Q's just to be able to keep a government together. So Israel knows that their very existence depends on them protecting themselves, and they have in the past. Always, uh, and they believe in preemptive war. So I believe just a safe face, because, again, they're humanists. They don't understand that God's protecting them for the most part that they will continue to back up and back up and back up until it looks like they're going to be threatened with another Holocaust, and then they'll act, as they always do. So, uh, But my, my belief is that you've got so many hotheads in both Hamas and, and Hezbollah, and already in that uh, shooting incident a few weeks long on the border, that was Hezbollah soldiers mixed with Lebanese soldiers, so clearly they, they own the military too, is that all it takes is one person shooting over the fence, and Israel finally say, that's enough that they'll go in and uh, it won't take much to, to start a, a domino effect because as soon as Israel has to deal with Gaza, Lebanon will jump in, Syria will jump in, yep. Iran will jump in. So it'll just be a domino effect that will change the entire face of the Middle East. There's no doubt. But I think it will change the entire face of the Middle East for the good because you have Israel in control. And we know we know from Bible prophecy Israel will win this. I mean, they'll, yep. they'll be the victors all the way up until the Antichrist starts persecuting them in the middle of the tribulation. That our resources yep. that we want from the Middle East so much controlled by Israel, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, this uh, seems to me that, uh, and everybody else, the Bible prophecy circles, even in the hatred movement, seems to be uh, looking at uh, some type of. Uh, uh, collapse of society in the near future. And with me, and that's probably why I didn't do any shows lately, uh, I don't find any gratitude and uh, a celebration in figuring out that Damascus will no longer be a city. Uh, and I, I think that this is one of my passions. Is, uh, I, I've, 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 I've heard some wonderful pastors, and I ain't going to mention the name because I really respect these guys. Uh, I'll tell you, Hell Lindsay was one of them. But uh, they were, and I understand where they're coming from. Trust me, I understand where they're coming from. Uh, they were uh, just saying to each other, they were saying, well, I can't wait until, you know, Jesus gets us out of here, which I can't either. But at the same time, we need to pray for those people at Damascus. And uh, not, I'm not looking for that to happen. But I, I believe that it, that can happen in the near future. 
before Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. Do you believe that those are separate events? Or uh, I, 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 Now, let me say this right quick. Uh, I believe that they are all tied together, uh, but they're different uh, in, in, in the, as far as the Bible is concerned. They are different, but they are at the same time tied together. Now, what I was looking at is uh, Psalms 83 uh, being a uh, event that some people were just saying it's just poetry, but I believe it's an event that will take place. And then after that, Damascus, uh, Isaiah 17, and then uh, Ezekiel 38, 39. What's your take on that? We have four minutes. I kind of ran the hall too much. Go ahead. Sure thing. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think Psalm 83 is a, the next imminent event that Israel has to subjugate their countries around them to pre-fill the requirements for the next chain of event, which is the Gog-Magog battle, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Israel has to feel that it's somewhat at peace and they're secure, and they won't have that as long as their their borders are threatened. Uh, once Israel has to subjugate the nations around them to control the issues. They're going to then need to deal with a larger ring of nations, with Iran and Russia and all, and deal with those Muslim nations. And I think with so many Islamic nations destroyed, that the heart of Islam, that big fear that we all have around the world of this growing threat of Islam, will finally be subjugated. The Antichrist will arise out of Europe. He'll say, hey, we've got all this Muslim influence taken over Europe. It's time to deal with it. And he'll wage war around the world destroying a lot of the Islamic nations, and basically Islam will be wiped out as a major problem. Now you've got uh, Christianity and Judaism as the only, if you'd say, fundamental religions, and the Antichrist will more than likely say, hey, we can't have fundamental belief system anymore because it causes, look at all the world war that caused for having to deal with the Islamic religion. And so uh, once they make a peace treaty with Israel, they will go and start persecuting Christians, and then three and a half years into the tribulation, the Antichrist will start persecuting the Jews and his quest for taking over the world. And because of that chaos and that world war, the Antichrist will be able to control the entire world because the world will look for a leader to get him out of the massive uh, economic collapse that the Bible says will happen and uh, to give him uh, guidance and a future. Uh, but unfortunately, it will only bring disaster on the world and, of course, God's judgment during that time. So, yeah, they're all so connected and they're also a domino effect. And we know the church isn't destined for God's wrath, so we know we're, we, we might live and see Psalm 83. We might not. But I really don't think we're going to see Ezekiel 38 and 39. Because God supernaturally protects Israel, it means it's the time of Jacob's trouble and the tribulation is starting. And we're promised now, do you, to not have to be in do, do you believe uh, uh, this? I kind of look at it like this. I kind of look at uh, when, when you read Ezekiel 38 39, and I, I know this is kind of, I just kind of enjoy doing this. But if you listen to the words, wording that he does, um, you just almost speculate that maybe the church should come out simultaneously. Uh, and the reason why is, is to bring further understanding to the world that uh, God has uh, intervened back in history. Uh, and, and it is some weird things going on in there uh, where, for instance, the shaking of the whole uh, the land, the ground, which could be speculation. It could be a, a Bringing God bringing His people out of the ground simultaneously, uh, it can be um, uh, because if you get if you get vanishing simultaneously if He's destroying those armies, I mean you're gonna have some weird things going on yeah. <laughs> in the world. So God is trying to get He's trying to wake up and make people smell the coffee. He's trying to wake us up and make us smell the coffee, and that'll be a great time for the rapture of the church. But I'm just speculating. Uh, because it would be funny if we see that stuff happening on TV and, uh, and then some of these guys, these guys that believe that there is no rapture say, see, I told you, we, this is Armageddon, there is no rapture. And then five, five minutes later, we, uh, rapture happens. <laughs> we, can, we, we can tell them I told you so on the way up, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really fast, <laughs> too. So, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm going to have you on. Um, I'd like to get in contact with you sometime in the near future for a November show. Okay. That's fine with you. And uh, or maybe maybe we can try to uh, do this once in a blue moon. Do you have your own radio program? Uh, no. No, we uh, used to have our Christ and Prophecy television show, which we've had for eight years now. It used to be a radio program for many years, but uh, we have a television uh, program now on four networks. 
Oh, wow, sweet. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Um, now, where can I watch this at online? Is there any place I can watch it online? Uh, we're on, uh, yeah, just go to our lamblion.com. Uh, every show is posted okay. on every page uh, under our program oh. section. And if you have an Inspiration or the Church Channel, NRB, or Daystar, we're on those networks as well. Okay. All right. God bless you. You too, Phil. Thanks and a lot. Back with you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, y'all, for watching and listening. God bless y'all. Uh, I said watching. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Y'all have a wonderful day. God bless. Because he's a part of the prophecy zone. When is he coming back? When is the end of days? Soon. We are in the last days. The Bible lays out our future, and host Phil Armstrong examines what the scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on the Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible, and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. God bless.